Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. It's Curious City, where we take your questions about Chicago and the region and investigate, report, explore from WBEZ. I'm WBEZ producer Gabrielle Collins, and we're exploring one of the very first questions we've ever received at Curious City. Freelance reporter Kim Belware was riding her bike around Bronzeville and saw a few signs that said something like, support Black-owned businesses or this is a Black-owned business. So that got her wondering about the need for these kinds of signs. I wanted to know the history and the significance of signs that I saw on the South Side calling the community to support Black-owned businesses. I did a little digging, found a sign, and emailed it to Kim. Large, stenciled letters in all caps fill a square poster that reads, Support Black Business. Did you see the picture that I emailed you? Yeah, that was the sign, and I think it might have been like green and white or brown and white or something like that. The sign Kim saw is about 10 years old. It comes from a campaign and movement that encouraged African Americans to shop at Black-owned stores whenever possible. But that campaign messaging isn't new. For the last 150 years, African American communities have deployed signs, symbols, and other marketing materials with that same message. The Black community needs to support Black businesses. The means may have varied. Sometimes they were aimed at fighting discrimination or unfair hiring practices. Sometimes they were aimed at boycotting, and sometimes it was just good old targeted advertising. But the message remained the same. Economics is power. African Americans could and should create and support black businesses that build wealth, employ black workers, and help address inequity. And that's the history I'm going to trace here. This idea in America took root not too long after slavery ended. During the Reconstruction era, African Americans were losing money on sharecropping scams, they were barred access to jobs and voting, and they still weren't considered full equal citizens under the law. So black economists and sociologists like W.E.B. Du Bois encouraged African Americans to rise out of forced labor and poverty by starting their own enterprises. Here's an excerpt from a journal Du Bois edited in 1899. Were I a vendor of peanuts or the owner of a mill? I should feel that I, along with preachers and teachers and the rest of the saints, was doing God's service in the cause of the elevation of my people. Enter the Great Migration. Millions of African Americans left the South and headed north for cities like Chicago, seeking better opportunities. 
Archivist Tracy Drake says the messaging on storefronts and service stations was important to aid black consumers in a new place. So you have this influx of new migrants coming to the city of Chicago, and maybe they aren't, are unsure about which businesses are, are going to be most friendly. Drake shows me some examples of newspaper ads and storefront signs that used specific phrasing to connect with the millions of African-Americans who may have just arrived from the South. Those newspaper ads and editorial cartoons use phrases like our community and your cab company. Let's get acquainted. Drake and I also sifted through a number of business directories that listed the names of Black-owned real estate offices, parlors, banks, and service stations. Directories like the National Negro Business League booklets, the Sims Blue Book, and the Negro Motorist Green Book. It serves two purposes. One, right, support black businesses, um, but also these are organizations or businesses that are going to be friendly to you. They're going to treat you kind and you won't have to deal with uh, racism. At the height of the Great Depression, there was a popular slogan often pictured on picket signs. It said, Don't buy where you can't work. Meaning, don't shop at a business that doesn't hire black employees. The slogan was popularized by a black newspaper editor here in Chicago. Then, Drake pulled out an editorial cartoon from the 1930s. This is my favorite, absolute favorite cartoon. So There's a sign in this illustration. Negro purchasing power equals $2 million. The illustration shows a man sitting on train tracks, blocking a train from passing. And he's uh, stand, sitting on a road, and it's the road to progress that he's sitting on. And um, the train is honking at him, and he's saying, like, get out of the way. Don't be in the way of progress. You know, wake up. Because we own a huge purchasing power within the black community, and we need to utilize that. To sum it up, the cartoonist was saying that this guy should use his money and the power that it contains to support Black-owned businesses. The same message to use the power of the pocketbook to achieve equity for Black people surged again across America during the Civil Rights era. In Harlem, in Atlanta, in California, the Black Panthers made headlines with their art and their push for jobs. In Chicago, African Americans joined boycotts and participated in a movement called Operation Breadbasket. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., along with leaders and seminarians like Jesse Jackson, organized the Chicago-based effort. The movement harkens back to that Don't Buy Where You Can't Work campaign of the 1930s. Preachers and black entrepreneurs worked together to oppose racist hiring practices. Black people weren't often promoted to managerial roles. Operation Breadbasket worked to harness black purchasing power. And, and it said, uh, keep a slice of the bread in your community. And there was, a, there was a picture of bread and several slices and the dollar sign on the slice and being cut with a knife. That's the Reverend Martin Deppey. He was one of the preachers Jesse Jackson tapped to promote Operation Breadbasket with his Southwest Side congregation of young black professionals. Reverend Deppey says members of the movement would march and picket with those signs. It was really a matter of dignity and a sense of being part of the larger picture and not just being consumers, but being producers, being a whole person. Reverend Deppey says that along with helping black consumers identify which products on store shelves were produced by black people, the flyers also encouraged white consumers to buy those same products. A, a signage that, that we do have said, you don't have to be, and it crossed out Negro, 
You don't have to be black to drink Joe Louis milk, just hip. Today, the message that economics is power has taken on some new forms for online audiences. Podcasts, online groups, and oh, the hashtags. There's hashtag let's buy black, hashtag black dollars, and hashtag bank black, and so on. See, the black buying power that most businesses are trying to capture today is $1.3 trillion. That's according to Nielsen Reports, who also found that black consumer spending is rising at a much faster rate than white consumers. And big businesses know it. Lots of brands are trying to attract black consumers. And in that clamor, black businesses are struggling to stand out. That's why software engineer Angelica Coleman created a web browser to help shoppers more easily identify which products come from black producers. Coleman hopes her tool, buyblack.io, will help shoppers think about the impact of their dollars. Hopefully it can sort of inspire people to also create for their community. And so realizing that, hey, if you're looking for something um, from this community and it doesn't exist, maybe you're the person to build that. Coleman says there's a reason this message has been around since the end of slavery. It's because it's just another iteration of that age-old idea. Buying Black is about more than just business. It's about using economics as a means to overcome racism. Support for Curious City comes from the Conan Family Foundation. Special thanks to Ayana Contreras and Dr. Christopher Reed. I'm Gabrielle Collins. Next time on Curious City, the Gold Star Sardine Bar, a tiny club near downtown Chicago that booked big-name jazz acts. People who could have played places like the Auditorium, for God's sake. Tony Bennett, Liza Minnelli. But it was too good to be true. It was like Brigadoon. It appeared and then it was gone. And you wondered, how did that even happen? The rise and fall of a -a one-of-a-kind place. That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City. Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times, you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so... No one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.